Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Well, welcome, friends, to a whole new season of the Youthscape podcast. It is 2023, the year of our Lord, in the year of our Lord, however they say it. And we're so glad that you've joined us for a fresh new season of the Youthscape podcast, which proves to be, I think, probably the most sizzling we've ever done. So let me introduce myself. My name's Rachel Gardner. I'm here as ever with my trusty friend and co-host, Martin Saunders, and Martin, I use the word sizzly. Would you like to add anything to that for this new season? It's going to be a whopper, isn't it? It's going to be a good one. <laughs> a sizzling whopper. It is. Of a season. I'm excited uh, about what we've got ahead. How are you feeling about 2023, Rachel Gardner? I'm sat here in my lounge quite fully into January and I'm still looking at a Christmas tree that I have not taken down. So I feel I've got quite a bit of catching up to do just to get through this first month. But I'm excited about 2023. It's new. It feels exciting. It feels daunting globally. Like it feels like quite uncertain futures lying before us. But um, but undeterred, I feel this will be a very interesting year for youth ministry. Things are changing. Youth culture is constantly evolving. And uh, the challenge for us again will be to rise to that challenge, I guess. Martin, how are you feeling about 2023? Gosh, that was a very deep answer. I feel like I need now to, now to comment on the global situation. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just hoping to lose a bit of weight and, uh, you know, maybe read a few more books. But now I'm going to say something more profound. Uh, I think 2023 will be the year of international revival. There we go. That'd be good, wouldn't oh, it? My goodness. Oh, well, my goodness. I don't know. If you, I, well, it might happen. Is there anything that's given you cause to kind of claim that prophecy? No, no not at all. No, no but I'm, I'm always hoping. Uh, no, yes. no, I'm always just hopeful. But, you know, I would say that, that, that probably we are simmering. Well, I'm, I'm going to try and make that serious now. I think we're simmering slightly into a, a, a world where people are more and more receptive to spirituality and less and less certain about material things. And so those are probably the right conditions for revival to kick off. So who, who knows? We could be laughing about this in a year's time when we've everyone's become a Christian. Uh, that would be very interesting, wouldn't it? I Over the, the Christmas holidays, my sister-in-law ended up in hospital and, and had the slightly horrendous you know, 18 hour wait for an ambulance yeah. and then another 18 hour wait uh, with these incredible staff in the ambulance who looks after her. Um, and, and when I was in hospital with her, she's a bit older than me, but I looked around the hospital ward and I thought we're, we're much more in touch with our frailty. So I, I sense what you're saying too. Maybe, maybe we're slightly more aware that consumerism doesn't work. And also we're slightly more in touch with our frailty. And I, I don't know if you read this over Christmas, but I read that a number of parents didn't let their children go sledging because of the ambulance strikes. I thought that's wow. interesting, isn't it? We, these things are changing our behaviour a little bit. That we're Not just the ambulance strikes. I think it's important people have the right to strike. But there's that sense that actually we are more fragile. COVID has taught us that, hasn't it? So maybe we do go into 2023 a little bit more humble. That would be an amazing prayer, wouldn't it? That we're slightly more 
mindful of of, of things. But we've we've started quite serious because that was serious. Life life is serious, but this whole season is going to be. Oh no, it is still going to be quite serious. Yeah, it's no, it still is. Going to be quite serious, but I think deeply, deeply fascinating because are you ready for this? We have entitled this new season. Are you ready for this? Yes. Tough questions for youth ministry, tough challenges, the times when as youth workers, we are having to deal with stuff that maybe when we did our training as a youth worker, or when we first sensed God calling us to this, or we first said yes to signing up to be on the youth rotor, we didn't anticipate that we'd be facing some of these situations. And so we've asked a series of youth workers to, to allow us behind the scenes a little bit in their lives. Maybe things have happened in the past, maybe stuff that's a bit more contemporary in their life, and to talk about those big challenges that we face as youth workers. And our hope, Martin, is not simply that we give everybody a bit of a spicy sizzling time but that we genuinely feel equipped to face whatever challenges that we're facing within youth ministry well this is it's increasingly true in our culture as a whole but i think there are lots and lots of things that we feel we're just not allowed to talk about and we're not even sure who's policing us half the time but there's just a sense that it's not appropriate that it's taboo to cross certain conversational thresholds to bring up certain things uh, because of what others will think of us, because it might be a cultural taboo for a whole range of reasons. And so this season is all about getting those kind of elephants in the room out and talking about stuff that we sometimes are fearful or concerned to even address. So yeah, you're right. Some of it is going to be spicy. Some of it's going to be more practical, Um, but we're going to be asking questions, uh, about how our personal life intersects with ministry. We're going to ask some questions about what it looks like to lead well and to face some of those tough leadership challenges. What does it mean to interact with uh, church leaders and other members of churches and other organizations uh, well? And how do we overcome some of those difficulties that come up that aren't that easy to talk about? So I hope that gets your sort of mouth watering for and it's going to be an extra long season that's the other thing to say we've got we had so much to talk about that we're actually going to be going longer than usual so i'm not going to say how many episodes because honestly rachel i don't know we don't know (laughs) but there's going to be more it's going to be bumper it's going to be sizzling what was the other word whopper bumper the bumper sizzling whopper (laughs) it's it's good that we're we're going here i i guess I mean, I guess in a way, you and I, with this podcast, we hope, have always sort of nurtured a culture of honesty. Like we've never brought guests to you, our beloved listener, that, you know, is just about kind of being pompous and giving you their front you know, front seat stuff as if the rest isn't real. But so we've always kind of brought guests who've been real. But I, I guess it, it it's felt a little bit more risky, would you say? Mm. Um, setting up this season and approaching people for this season and and also maybe more courage required from our guests because the moment you do begin to share that maybe there's a young person who you just not just don't click with but just vehemently don't like you know mm-hmm. and you're not someone that doesn't like people but this young person mm-hmm. just present you know, that's that's really hard to name because we are a community maybe i mean let's let's pick ourselves up we're a community youth ministers who maybe even more than any other you know ministry team in churches absolutely are all about the relational capital you know we that that is who we are and that's what we do and we have you know 
the youth workers I meet have profoundly oodles of grace and patience for the most challenging young people. And, and we don't expect to see change quickly. We know that this is a long journey. And so I think when you hear another youth worker who you admire or respect, or you know loves young people, you know loves Jesus, you know loves wrestling with stuff, say, this this actually almost got me to the edge of leaving. You know, this or this almost you know, propelled me to leave the faith. That there's something about that that feels quite hard to carry and hold, really, because that's not said lightly, is it? You know, mm-hmm. so I think I, I really hope that. Well, I'd love to know what your hope for this season is, Martin. But my my hope is that if there's anybody sat listening to these podcast episodes who is feeling, gosh, 2023 is this? You know, this just I just have no patience left for young people. I just don't like them, or I'm struggling with this doctrinal issue. And I don't know where to go with this, or you know, I've been in this particular post. For so long, what I feel like I've lost creativity. That, that maybe something in what you hear inspires you to dig deeper and to seek the spirit to inspire you again. And maybe mm-hmm. to face and address and name some of these things that, you know, otherwise you'd just be going through 2023 thinking I'm on my own. It's my fault. This mm-hmm. is all to do with me rather than things can can change. So I, I, have, I have quite high hopes really for this. Yeah, I, I think there will be, or I hope, you know, for most people listening to this, it'll all be interesting, but there might be one or two episodes that really speak into your life in a, a profound way. So I think mu- much of this season will be about going, oh, I'm glad they're talking about that. I can think of some people that will help or it'll help me in the yeah. future. But there'll be one or two things where you think, oh, yeah, I am actually processing that right now. I mean, I think of my own youth ministry, I'm not prepared to name which ones, but there's definitely a few things that I, I struggle would struggle to talk about that are realities for us right now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I imagine that will be true of everybody. When I think about, um, uh, you know, how to introduce this season, it seems only fair that we uh, bring a couple of elephants out of our own closets. Ooh, yeah. Is that, is okay. that, that's stretching language a little bit. <laughs> I don't know, maybe anyway. Uh, but I think we should probably, you know, just be on it. What are some of the really tough questions that we have and hold. I'm not asking for an answer here, Rachel. I'm saying, what you know, what's the struggle? Um, for me, I would say, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the ongoing probably struggle of my youth ministry is, um, is imposter syndrome. And just that sense every single week, literally every single week, it goes through my head. Am I the best person to be doing this? You know, as I'm unpacking, as I'm planning something, you know, as I call the team together for a debrief, every week it runs through my head. Am I am I really the right person for this? Would would somebody else take this on uh, in a much better way? Um, and I I would say I would go as far as to say that that it really is every week that I go through that process. And I you know I, I put it out of my head in some way. But I hope that we get to talk about that a little bit over this season. What about you? We could talk about it now, Martin. No, if no, you want that's to. all right. I know you charge <laughs> you charge by the hour, don't you? I do. <laughs> by the minute. By the hallelujah. I charge by the hallelujah. Um mine for at the very much sometimes in the past it's been doctrinal issues, struggling with my own deconstruction of some things and, and knowing whether the church leader that I'm not married to or <laughs> married to where I stand with that. Um but for me at the moment it's probably a couple, actually. The first one is that I have an 11-year-old going on 19. Mm. She drives me up the wall. 
And I find myself almost using up all my energy for young people being crazy. I use it all up by 9am getting out of school. And so I get to 9.30 and go, I I don't think I've got anything left for any more difficult young people because I've just used it all up. Get get up, get up. It's time for school. Get up, get out of bed. And I'm just like, what is it? Why am I morphing into the mother? That I would always say to young people, oh, I'm so sorry to hear your mum gets really stressed in the morning. I am that mother. So maybe that feeds a bit into my imposter syndrome or just that kind of, oh gosh. But I think the thing for me is I've been involved, maybe like some of you listening, I've been involved as a volunteer youth worker for probably 25 years in different ways in churches. I'm really tired of Sunday morning youth work. And I think at the moment, when I see my name down next to the youth group on a Sunday morning, I a little part of me goes, oh, no, I'd much rather be, you know, serving coffee at the back or leading the service or anything else. Not because I think those things are more important. I, I am convinced, committed that youth ministry is really important, but... I think I've done so much Sunday morning youth work and I walk into it knowing most of the time, if they're there in body, they're asleep in their mind. (laughs) I've got to work (laughs) really hard to engage them. And because we're a church plant, we have to set up the room, stack up all the chairs, get everything in. So I can't even just walk into a room that's ready made up. And because of the young people we work with, I don't find it easy to find resources off the shelf. So we're creating stuff from scratch. So I think at the moment, I think tiredness, like Mm. soul weariness is probably the elephant in the room for me because I am still passionate and I will always be passionate. And I, and, and I think that's the challenge, Martin, when, when the elephant in the room is, you're really not liking this but you're really passionate about it too. Mm. <laughs> That's how, how do you deal with that? What needs to shift? So I think those would be my elephants. Um, and even saying it, I feel, gosh, I'm doing a podcast on, on youth ministry. And I've just said, I don't like doing Sunday morning youth ministry. You know, that's a tiny thing, but even that feels a bit exposing because I'm yeah. supposed to be saying every single moment you're in the vicinity of a young person. It's supposed to be amazing. So um, yeah, so I think we're going to, hear more about that kind of stuff and more. So we're going to have some searing honesty in this uh, series, I think. Um, And so we're going to start with um, somebody whose voice has been described in a certain way, but that will come up in the interview. So I don't want to spoil it. Oh, does it? it? It's mentioned. It does come up. It It was you. It absolutely was you. Um, But a favorite of the podcast. And and full disclosure, the chairman of Youthscape, so, He's got a lot to lose then in this episode, hasn't he? A lot to lose. He's yes. risking a lot. That's right. It went I so well last time. So why would he do it again? <laughs> uh, but he's, uh, he's come back. Uh, and so Matt Summerfield uh, for many years was uh, was heading up a brilliant youth organization called Urban Saints, now leads a movement of churches called Zio. Uh, the main church he's uh, pastoring is based in Hitchin, uh, not far from here where we record in Luton. Uh, and we got him to talk to us uh, about some of the issues around relating to leaders. Uh, so here, our first tough question uh, is what happened when I chatted to Matt Summerfield. Well, Matt, welcome to the Youthscape podcast. 
Thank you very much. Great to be back. Now, am I right in thinking? Am I making this up or were you the first ever guest on the Youthscape podcast? No, I don't think I was. It, I, I, I love the fact that you imagine that of me. But, yeah. Uh, but I think I was a few in. But I was definitely in the early, early runs of it. And I do remember you, me and Rachel being kind of cooped up in that, that little room. Um, I've had counselling. I'm now cleared up from that, which is why I was able to go again. <laughs> Rachel, I remember she will have already said it on this episode, um, but she described your voice as like molten chocolate, I think. She did. <laughs> I think it's because I had a cold at the time. I think that's what it was. You know, oh, so. well, I, I, there's never anything you can say to Rachel. You just have to move on. Um, roll with You've got, you got to roll with it. So, uh, so it's great to have you back. Um, full disclosure: since since we last spoke, you became chair of Youthscape. I did, yeah, an amazing privilege. Um, love you guys, love Youthscape, and it's nice to talk about we rather than you. It's what we do together in youth ministry. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's been it's been a couple of years, something like that. Well, I think actually it's been a, COVID has messed with our sense of yeah, time, so it's, it's probably been quite quite a few years. But um, yeah. so, do I have to refer to you as Mr. Chairman throughout this? No, just call me Matt. Just just be let's be hey, let's be friends. <laughs> great at last i've been waiting for 20 years for yeah, yeah. Um, today's the moment so, be healed so look matt um before we get into the first tough question of our series um thank right. you for being the first up for this as well um before we get into that um do you want to just talk a little bit about your kind of youth work credentials your um your journey through youth work because you you still you still do some youth work now i saw you doing some at satellites this summer so um Indeed. but you've been involved in it for years so just take us back to the start of that yeah so it really it sparked my faith revolution so it all began 35 years ago i was 17 years old i'd been a sunday school teacher since the age of 16 but um at the age of 17 we were about to launch this brand new missional thing for 11 to 14s called prime time which at the time was a very very cool name yeah uh, Five years ago, it was it was called until the year later. BBC Two launched a daytime program for seniors called Prime Time. Let me have to change the name, but that's a whole other story. And um, and so my dad had planted the church uh, forty two years ago, and um, but we were looking to do this outreach. And the leaders, uh, Debbie and Alan, basically said, "Matt, would you consider being a leader?" And 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 I guess the truth is, I felt flattered. Maybe they asked me because I was the preacher's kid. But we we launched this work. And a few weeks in, I was connecting with young people who just weren't part of my world. I mean, I was 17, they were 11 to 14, but like some of the issues they were facing. And mm -hmm. and I realized if I was going to teach the Bible, I should read it. And I was facing issues to help them that were way beyond anything in my ability. And, and, and it really, that was when I just knew I need Jesus mm. in order to bring Jesus to them. And and I also knew I think I'll spend the rest of my life trying to cheer on young people, see them become everything that God created them to be. So so for most of the last 35 years, I've remained a volunteer youth leader in our church. Um, my wife and I are still involved at least kind of once a month doing things. And we did bring uh, 31 young people to satellites. We can't wait to bring hopefully even more next year, uh, you know, to it as well. But but throughout my 20s, was basically an IT manager working for the mobile phone company that's now EE. And then 
in May 2000, had the great privilege of becoming the chief exec of what was Crusaders, the National Youth and Children's Missionary Movement. Mm. Um, did that for 18 years, but for the last six years, um, from 2012, uh, picked up the baton of leadership from my dad and took on the leadership of the local church and did both of those part-time, um, and then went full-time for Zio. Um, from the middle of 2018, but have even as the senior pastor of of Zio, have continued to invest in in young people as a volunteer, and now a great privilege to do that, um, chairing Youthscape. So that's a kind of brief. Very good. Of, there is a joke within our church that basically myself and my wife Amy, we're we're basically youth leaders faking it as pastors. Like everyone, yeah. everyone knows when new people come to the church, they know you're just passionate about young people, really, aren't you? And and we are. Well. Much better that way round. Um, for sure. So there's a little mini kind of story in there, which I wonder if you'd be up for, for telling very quickly, which I think also is just like, a, I'm just going to sneak in an extra tough question um, because you, you when you were at Crusaders, uh, you decided to change the name. And I actually saw a little video you did recently about what happened when you changed the name and I, I would describe a, a mild, mild pushback that you got for changing <laughs> name from Crusaders to what is now Urban Saints. People, people listening to this might just have gone, oh, that's what it is. So um, so what was the pushback and how do you how did you deal with that level of criticism in your role? So to try to be brief. So, yeah, we, we thank God for Crusaders, but we knew as we stepped into a new hundred years because we were celebrating our hundredth birthday, we needed a name that would resonate missionally with young people today. That was the driver. We weren't trying to be politically correct, but we just knew we needed a name that can, kind of connected. And uh, and yeah, it would be fair to say. I, and again, I, I am an evangelist, but I'm not speaking evangelistically over a six-month period, we had around 600 letters and emails um, of complaint, hate mail, whatever. And they were all directed to me because I was the chief exec, although it really was a, a leadership team and trustee decision. And they ranged from most of them were like, Matt, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You've destroyed this organization. I had a guy who said he was Satan and I was fulfilling his plan for my life. I had someone saying I was the Antichrist. People cancelling uh, their wills, all that kind of stuff. And and let's be honest, I mean, it was hard. It was really, really hard. And when you have 20 people a day telling you you're an idiot, you do start to wonder if you're an idiot. And, <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Wow. You know, and and so, so I think, you know, the, the only way of navigating that was thankfully a really good team of people that we just pressed in together and prayed together. And like, because you do wonder, is God speaking through these people? Have we got this wrong? Of course. Or, or, or actually, are we Joshua and Caleb here, and we just got to push on and you know mm. push into the promise? And so, we we went on a journey for seven months, listening, getting out and about, speaking to people, hearing them, trying to be empathetic, being gracious in the midst of difficult responses, um, you know, being being kind. But at the end of the day, really feeling the con conviction that actually God was saying, mm. "Go for this, hold the line, push through." Um, and so we did, you know, so we did. So I think, you know, good friends, good praying, good listening. And, um, and then, you know, thank God Urban Saints continues to live in the good of it today. Mm, fantastic. Well, well done. Well done. I, I tasted a little bit of this at my own, my own youth group. Cause I, I road tested the name satellites with, uh, I young people, parents, staff, 
here at, at my church. And um, I would say you, you, it's a lonely place when you're the only person who thinks the name is good. Yes. Um, but thankfully now at least 12% of satellite <laughs> delegates like the name. Uh, believing for more. Yeah, I'm hoping for more. Um, so, yeah, so thank you for coming on because you you come on in this um, dual role of sort of being a, a a church leader, but really understanding youth ministry from the other side, from the inside. And so the first question that we kind of want to tackle is, and let me paint a little picture for you. You're a, a youth leader uh, in a church. You are you are theologically literate. You take the Bible seriously. You take your faith very seriously. And you have come to a set of um, theological convictions uh, and some some very clear ideas about what it is that you should teach young people and how discipleship might work. And then the leadership of your church also, while they trust you, uh, have their own set of convictions and those are different. How do you manage? Is it possible? Even let's start there. Is it possible to live in that tension? Um, and if so, how would you begin to address that? Let's start there. Um, well, that is a big question, and there are lots of elements to that. I mean, I th- I think the first thing I think it is possible, um, but there are lots of caveats to make it possible. Um, I think the first thing I would say in terms of what we shouldn't do, me as a youth leader, shouldn't do in that position is to be saying to the young people to my team the church believe this they're wrong this is actually what is right you know we we shouldn't let's just agree that like any behavior that overtly smacks of being divisive is is just not good Mm is not right not honoring and so so i think our starting position when we have theological differences which are inevitable you know to one degree or another is that we we just kind of recognise that we want to we want to honour our leadership, just we want them to honour us, and that we want to respect that um, people do take. And I think oh, it was interesting your language. You, know, you said taking the Bible seriously because I think that is our journey as all followers of Jesus. That we don't always take every single verse of the Bible literally, because our job as Bible students is to take it seriously and mm-hmm. figure out okay is the bible saying here mm-hmm. and you and i both know that there are people who really love jesus and they love the bible and they can read the same text and come to different conclusions yes. and so so i think we need to just recognize like this is messy it's inevitably it's it's messy and so our first response is to love each other uh, be honorable to each other and not do anything that's, mm. that's i think I, I would say that's the first thing it's a heart attitude isn't it that mm. that we, we should be more committed to the relationship than being right. More important to be relationship than right. Having said that, then I think, secondly, there's a culture question, which is what's the culture of, of, the, of the church? Is, is the culture of the church such that it's okay to live in a little bit of mess, to be able to say, actually, we do see things differently. There are, lots, there are different ways of interpreting things mm-hmm. in, in a way that, you know, let's say, let's take a, I don't know if it is an easy one, like the the account of creation. And let's say you're living with a leader who believes that the, it happened literally in six days, um, but but you believe different to that. Now, if the culture allows for the fact that there are some things that would be considered, like Paul says in at the end of Romans, disputable matters, mm. 
not the core red hot faith of what the gospel is that like that's front and center you know you know christ came christ died christ rose again you know all those things then then with our young people i think integrally we can say there are you know we're here we're looking at genesis one there are different views there is this view and there's this view and there's this view and actually to be honest we should want to do that anyway with our young people you know, we, we don't just want to get into the Bible says those three words just don't cut it anymore. We've, we've got to be smarter and cleverer and more mature than just taking a verse and saying the Bible says and, and that's mm-hmm. it. Because we've always been figuring out, as you well know, well, what's going on there and then, you know, what's 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 who's this written to? Who's it for? What did it mean for those people? And then what does it mean for us? Mm-hmm. And so so hopefully we can be in a in a in a culture where it's possible to be able to we're allowed to say there are different views on this Mm. without without being divisive i probably wouldn't even get into when i think this but the pastor thinks this i wouldn't get into that that and so creation is a really good example um because uh you know there are definitely contexts where this is going to be an actual real issue what 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 do you think are the set of circumstances where it's just not going to work? What in what? Because you've po- painted a, a really positive version there. Uh, we don't need to spend too long on it. But what does the context look like where actually you should be thinking this is never going to work? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think ultimately that's about if we feel that our conscience is essentially being compromised mm-hmm. that, you know, that because I think then what happens, you get an inner integrity, you know, issue, you know, where, um, you know, something, you, you know, you're being told you must teach this, you must be teach this. And if you strongly believe that that is wrong, that, that, you know, that, you know, and, and, and humbly, you know, admitting that you could be wrong. We don't want to be Pharisees. So, so let, you know, if we, if we took a, another controversial subject of women in leadership mm. and, and, you know, you, you passionately believed, um, you know, as I do, that leadership is a gifting regardless of gender, but you're in a context where you're being told that that's wrong and, and you can't do that. Then if, if, if that, if your conscience is so strong before God, you know, and, and humbly doing the work of your heart, then, then I think, you, you know, you should never be in any situation, biblically, you know, whatever, where you feel like you're compromising your conscience. And, uh, and I think in those circumstances, you know, the most extreme thing is, is sometimes we have to admit, actually, I, I have to leave. I can't, mm. you know, God bless you. I'm not saying you're wrong. But I do see it differently and I feel strong enough about it. Yeah. God bless you um, that actually I'm probably going to have to be somewhere else because I'm going to be a pain in the backside to you otherwise. And I don't want to yeah. be a pain. I don't want to be divisive. And so um, so I'm going to need to probably move somewhere else. I think we've got to be brave enough to do that. But even then, to do that well yeah. and to do that honouring well. That's very good. So, so then um, with your church leader hat on, Help me as a youth worker, how how best can I have a conversation with you about this? So, so you know, let's say women in leadership is the is the issue. Um, I, as the youth leader, take the view that that you've just expressed. You, as the church leader, uh, take a view that um, a, what we might call a complementarian um, view of of leadership and um, gifting. Um, how, what is the best way for me to approach this conversation with you to get the best outcome, do you think? So, so I think firstly, 
the the ability to have a great conversation about that is ultimately going to be based on how good our relationship is. Um, and so, so first and foremost, youth leaders and pastors and stuff like need to work hard together, having a great relationship, like a trusting, enjoyable relationship, you know, a relationship that, that can tussle, that can disagree that, you know, and so it's not like when the issues come, um, we got no relationship really. And mm-hmm. so, so I think, as a, you know, our, our benchmark, our foundation is let's make sure that we're doing the work to build a good, trusting, in you know, relationship where we can talk about the difficult things as they come up from time to time, whether they're performance issues or biblical issues, that kind of thing. I think assuming that's in place, because if that's not in place, then it's really difficult to have challenging conversations mm-hmm. because all relationships basically thrive on levels of trust mm-hmm. and honor. And, and if those aren't in place, that's more tricky. But assuming that there is a level of openness, then, then I think, I mean, I would want someone to come to me and I would be counselling or mentoring a, a youth leader to do something, you know, where they're speaking to their past and saying, look, I know, you know, I'd love to have a conversation with you mm-hmm. about the church you about such and such. And, and, I, and my understanding is that you see that this way, and, uh, and I recognise that could be right because I want to come humbly. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, I see it a different way, and I'd love to explain to you why I see it in that way that's yeah. different. And um, I'd love to talk around that and get into conversations around that. Um, but I do want to make sure that we can have conversations with our young people that opens them up to all of the thinking, not about me being right and you being mm-hmm. wrong. Because, you know, they're not, they potentially may not be in this church all the time. They're going to be in other contexts, and they need to be prepared to be able to kind of work through these things. So I think I want to come in humility, you know, not in you're wrong, you're wrong. Um, Cause ultimately any difficult conversation we have as leaders will only work well if, if, if people feel safe and it's our responsibility to create a safe place. People get defensive otherwise. Mm-hmm. So how can we humbly approach the question, talk about our differences um, that could, I mean, some, if these are big theological issues, then obviously they're not going to be wrapped up in one conversation. No. And so it may be that we're saying, can we go on a journey here? Can we explore mm. together? And even if the answer to that is no, um, that thing of, can I at least ensure that our young people have the different perspectives? And because regardless, they need to be coming to their own conclusions on this stuff. Mm. It's not for us to say, the Bible says. If, if you're a church leader who's got very strongly held theological convictions on these or other issues, what do you think the fear is um, when you look at your youth leader? You know, I think of when I'm doing youth ministry here, I mean, my, my church leader often often isn't in the building, usually isn't in the building when I'm um, leading. He he's, he's, unless he hears back from parents, really, his, his view of what we're teaching the kids is what I tell him. So, um, so what do you think is the fear um, that, um, and how might we, and how might we speak to it that the leader might have in this situation? Well, I think, you know, let's assume that the church leader's goal in life is to make disciples and see people become more like Jesus and grow in faith and passion. Then their fear will be that that you may be leading them into untruth that will damage the reality of that happening. Mm. And and so so that's why it's always good to find what's the shared goal that we have together. Mm. I know you want people to grow in Jesus. I know, know that's the case and that we can speak to that fear. But I think, you know, 
I think that's the challenge, isn't it? They think, well, like, we, we could be leading them astray. We could be leading them to, to false things, and that may affect their faith. And, uh, and you know, in so often in these cases, we want to find out, let's start with what we agree on first, and then let's flow from there. And so uh, I guess finally, you know, do, do you think um, – do you think what we're describing here is a is a big issue? Do you think it's do you think it's better? Do you think we're we're in a church now that is better at having these conversations? Um, uh, and you know, or actually, is this is this are, are we describing the sort of one of the simmering crises below the surface of the church? Do you think? Hmm. That is, uh, yeah. Again, such a good question. I th- I think in my experience, we're not great at doing this in terms of disagreeing and discussing without becoming disagreeable Mm. um and and my hope and prayer is that we can grow a generation of leaders who love the bible passionately hold it humbly and are committed to listening to god and to other people um so that we yeah i mean it's the irony is we're disciples it literally means to be a learner Mm-hmm. And and so so I think I think we're getting better, but I think there's a lot of work to do. But but we can model something. Your listeners, we can all mm-hmm. model something. This 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 teachability, this humility, but this tenacity to just keep. Come on, let's keep working through this. Let's let's do this because because you and I both know, and no doubt you'll talk about them in the rest of this series. There are some very very hot potato subjects mm-hmm. which draw differing views from people who love the scripture and they love the Bible. And we've got to find a way of talking about that Mm -hmm. and living in the mess of that. Mm -hmm. You know, we see that in the book of Acts. It was messy. Everyone's got to be circumcised. No, they haven't got to be circumcised, you know, and and they're they're grappling with their theology, but they do it in discussion and debate. And uh, we need to be able to do that too. That's great. I mean, let me say, uh, you know, I think it, there's a there's a very lazy narrative uh, in in youth ministry that church leaders are a nightmare, and you know um, uh, the hardest the hardest thing for um, for a youth worker is de- is managing up and dealing with their their youth uh, their 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 manager their church leader. Of of course, in some context that is absolutely true. There's some horrible, many sadly horrible stories of youth leaders being appallingly treated but actually that that's probably not the prevailing narrative and we have to be careful don't we as uh as youth workers not to perpetrate that and not to make the leader the bad guy or bad woman uh all all the time uh you know we have to take responsibility for the fact that these people have been you know through years of theological training you know ministry on the front line they know what they're talking about they walk humbly with the lord like they're not necessarily the baddie in our personal story so i think it's really important in all of this um you know to disarm what we might be bringing to any sense of conflict before we we seek to have that conversation absolutely and i think that humble attitude is is I remember Brenny Brown talking about this in one of her books that like when, whenever we're in conflict, let's imagine that people are doing their best rather than mining for dirt. Let's dig for the gold. And, and then how can we help their best become better mm. uh, rather than just they're wrong. And so um, we have a part to play in this for sure. Brilliant. Matt, thanks so much for kicking off the series with us. 
My pleasure. And it's been great. Great to join you. I'm sure it's going to be a cracker. I'll look forward to listening in. that martin and so much wisdom and and deep experience from both matt and from you I and guess a voice I'm, that you could barely concentrate listening to oh gosh I can't, his voice is just amazing some people have a voice for radio don't they they do <laughs> and a face. a face for radio yeah <laughs> I know there, you're it gorgeous. You're gorgeous. there it goes what i found interesting about the interviews it raises lots of questions about i'm a church leader and a youth worker so i suppose i carry this tension in a way but martin my question coming out of your interview with matt is there's there's one thing to disagree and get to the point where as a youth worker you think i can't i can't keep ministering here with this difference in opinion it's too much now or a church leader that says this is the direction we're going in. And if you don't feel you can kind of be come under this authority, this is where we're going, then, then maybe this is not right. But the difference between that and then a, a youth worker almost being asked to leave and not being able to kind of properly pastorally care for the young people and explain what's going on or leave in such a way that takes young people with them and it's quite a divisive thing. So I think that there's almost a simpler version is that as leaders you can contain it and you resolve it but it's always the overspill to young people isn't it what's communicated to them is crucial isn't it because Mm. that's what disciples them if 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 christians can't resolve stuff as adults then that presents to young people a very bleak picture about their own discipleship what happens if they disagree with a leader or so i i don't know if you have any lived experience of that well i have a little and um i have to say it's all it's long enough in in history now that everybody involved is an adult so i can talk about it but um but you know i have seen the pied piper experience happen um where a youth leader was uh, really disgruntled about being asked to leave and so set up youth ministry at another local church and mm. told the young people, uh, come, you know, come over to me. And it is the most divisive and and yeah. and and ended terribly in all sorts of ways. Um, and and ultimately, it was really bad news for the young people and was all about the youth leaders' ego. But let me say, I I have definitely had that temptation myself at least once. So you know, there but by the grace of God go I. Um, it is definitely a challenge. So I think we do need to keep it completely separate. You know, this is a leader to leader conversation. Um, and I think Matt has laid out a really helpful framework for how to have those conversations well yeah, and when it's not okay and it's not going to work to have those conversations. But it is never, it, even if you convince yourself that the young people would be in a better place, it is never the right thing to try to be the Pied Piper and take your young people out of the context of the church that they're planted in and put them somewhere else. That's never going to work. And maybe this is the wrong way to see this situation, but I suppose one, I, I suppose there's there's the doctrinal disagreement, which is serious. And all throughout church history, Christians have disagreed with each other passionately on what they consider to be core doctrinal issues. Um, and, and look in hindsight, you often look back and think maybe it wasn't so core. Cool. Um, but at the time it felt like I cannot stay or we cannot keep working with this person here, which is devastating. And, and how do we handle that with unity? But I guess in reality, it, it, in the end, what means that you might leave a situation is that 
the disagreement means it's really hard to be in relational unity. So it isn't in the end actually about the thing that you disagree on. It's about the environment that creates afterwards. And for a youth worker, and, and again, I don't want to paint like the wrong picture, but Often church leaders are older, often youth workers are younger, although not in our context, <laughs> youth workers are older, but often the churches are older, younger. So there's a different way of approaching things. Generations approach things differently. And um, I, I think there's probably a lot of work that we need to do about how do we talk the language of God and really hear each other. Because I think for, for a youth worker that might be leaving a church because they genuinely believe because you hold that belief, older church leader, or because you hold that belief, wider church, the young people are not safe here. Like I can see that would be, it's not that they want to build an empire somewhere else and their ego says, take young people with them. They wouldn't recognize it as ego. They'd recognize it as, I need to keep these young people safe mm. from a from a church. Now in the park, I have an experience of that. So it wasn't about a doctrinal issue, but I have an experience of being a volunteer youth worker in a church that was very conservative small c with how it embraced people not because of doctrine just because of their personality they were not used to young people and so I was working with young people in a street-based project and I was terrified of bringing these young people to a Sunday morning church because I just didn't want these young people to have adults disapproving of them glaring at them because of things like tattoos and wearing jeans I mean it's like 15 years ago and I remember my husband saying to me you cannot protect young people from the body of Christ. You cannot hmm. get in that mindset. Like you can keep young people safe. You can protect them from toxic people, <laughs> but you can't get into the mindset that the body of Christ is bad news for young people. Like, yeah. And that was such a wrestle in me because I was willing to go off and start something midweek in our house because I, because I thought I knew what young people hmm. needed. And hmm. I guess... Particularly at the moment, Martin, when, the, when these conversations around some of the big issues feel so difficult, um, I can see it can be very hard for youth workers to step back and say, where, where is my ego playing into this? Now, it might be very good reasons, I think, young people shouldn't be part of this congregation. But, but is actually, am I being quite sanctimonious with this? You know, and I think that's hard, I think, as youth workers for us to really drill down and ask ourselves those questions. That's difficult. Rach, just before we finish this uh, excellent, I think, first episode of the new season, a couple of little bits of business to attend to. First of all, we would love you to take a moment to uh, go onto whatever podcast platform you like to use and rate uh, or review or like uh, the Youthscape podcast. It really helps us if we have reviews um, and rate positive ratings. Maybe keep it to yourself if you're not enjoying <laughs> it. Uh, although you wouldn't have made it all the way through this, surely. This has been one of our most rambly ever. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. If you if you enjoy this podcast, uh, it helps us to let other people know about it if you rate and review us. Um, so please do that. Um, and then the other notice is about involving you. Yes. Just want to get you more involved we in this yes. season. Uh, and we just love hearing from people who listen to the podcast. And we would love to hear a little bit about your story and maybe who it was when you were a teenager who inspired you in your faith or who inspired you to maybe be a youth worker, a youth leader one day. So tell us your stories. When I was a teenager, we didn't have youth workers in my church. I'd never heard of them. But we had these amazing adults that just invested. So mine is a guy called Roger Stevenson. 
little shout out to you in Heathfield, who just at one evening of his week or throughout his adult life, he would be investing in what was happening in the church, Bible studies, taking us on youth camps, all kinds of stuff. So who is your Roger Stevenson? We'd love you to tell us in no more than a minute, a little voice note, and you can drop it on our to our email account. The email is uh, podcast at youthscape.co.uk. That's podcast at youthscape.co.uk. That's it for another edition of the Youthscape podcast. We've loved being back. Very excited for what's ahead. Um, there's uh, loads coming up in this season. We don't want to spoil it for you. And we'll be back with another edition and another tough question for youth ministry next week. Resting Dave face, RDF. Can you do a little? Can you do a little song for each number? Notice number one. Camera a lot better than that flipping David Wolford.